our color is purple and what we what better thing to do than to uh, focus on a passion choral that we know we're going to sing, right Terry? Right? Yes. <laughs> because we do it every year. <laughs> How many times is that choral used in the same Matthew Five. Oh, you spilled the beans. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, I did my homework. <laughs> okay. So, in this presentation here, I will be addressing a similar question or problem that Dr. Dan Westberg posed during his Learners Exchange talk back in 2009. So there's a lot of history here that may intrigue you to spend a lot of time streaming on our website. <laughs> okay, um, but I'm going to do it from a very different point of view, of course. The question is that St. Matthew Passion made no reference to the resurrection, which is some sort, somewhat of an overstatement, not too much of an overstatement, somewhat. It adds no promise of the atonement, and the final movement just dwells in a scene of sorrow and disappointment. So you can see what that disconnect with in comparison to what Bach thinks about, um, about salvation here. Now, because we are going to the deep end, the very deep end, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about theory. Okay, and we're going to talk about something called Shinkirian analysis. Um, it is a methodology, simply put and perhaps oversimplify, of summarizing music. Summarizing music and showing which part is being more salient than other and how they are related. Method developed by a... Um, late 19th century, 20th century Austrian theorist by the name of Heinrich Schenker, Henschenkirin analysis, and note that date. Remember what happened to Austria and German during that time, between those dates, especially his mature years. And it's so fitting we're in 2018. Remember that, eh? <laughs> 2018, we're in. Okay, so... Before we get, the best way that I can illustrate it is to use an example. And the best way to get into the example is to sing the example. Yes. And we got the tippers here and Terry here and... <laughs> That's all my show, man. But I'm, I'm not going to have trouble here. <laughs> okay. Can hear it? Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, God of love. As unfold like fly before thee, O bring to the sons above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, thrive the dark of To summarize music, the best thing, best first step to summarize it is, let's take out the repeated notes. That's what we get, right? Etc. Etc. Right? Take out the all the fancy rhythm. Take out all your repeated notes. That's what you get. Now, when you were singing, you notice that I was sort of playing. I was sort of distracted as well, so I played a few wrong notes. But when I was sort of playing along, but I didn't play all the notes. You ever notice that? So what did I play? I played the important notes. There are notes that are more important than the others, right? And those who actually did some music, I know there are a lot of you here, or a handful of you. I'm looking at them. <laughs> You're going to take out the, your passing tone. Or, right? The, the middle note there is a decoration. We can take away your decoration note, right? Because those are less important than your main chord notes. 
right? So, we take out away my decoration note, that's what I get. Okay? And, which is essentially, etc. Okay? You can see how that fits in there. Okay? Now, of course, theory being theory being theory, which is being abstract, I can put a hierarchy on this supposedly already summarized form, right? Because you notice this note, it always comes back on these things. These other, these upper and the lower notes always seems like decorating this, that middle note there. So it's more important, more important, right? Something like that. So that is why, we'll come back to this later, in the notation there are notes without stem and notes with stem. Now this is not how you read music, this is an analytical notation, okay? It's not how you read music. So your stem notes are more important than your unstemmed notes, okay? So following here? So if we take the unstemmed notes away, we're going to end up with what is in the third line right here? Now, don't be scared of this little bar here. It means that those two are related. And don't be scared about this, what we call a curvy line on top. It just uh, says that they are related. And so we take out your decoration note. We end up with this. And then, and then. So in there, you can go into your, in your mind, go. See how that fits in there? So see the summarizing. Now we can summarize even another level more abstract by eliminating this little bit, all this stuff here. So what we got is the second line up there. And you can hear that. Right? See how that fits in there. Now, theory being theory being theory. I think your summary is still a bit long. Yes. Theory being theory being theory being theory being abstract, right? We could still reduce it one more level, right here. So what are we going to remove? Remove that, all that in the in 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 the bottom in the middle right here, and your whole thing sounds like three blind mice. <laughs> so all music summarized to three blind mice. That's a spill. That's a bean I'm going to spill right here. Okay, so you can see how that fits in. I'm not gonna sing it again, but because it's in your head already, right? But you can see how the entire hymn just fits into that little three blind mice. Okay, we call that the background. We call this the middle ground, and we call this the foreground. Okay. All right. Now, this is a way of summarizing music, but it's very uneconomical to write all that out. So we come up with a set of notation to. Put it all together in one thing. And we got this. <clears throat> Hollow note with stem. Usually there's a huge bar there with numbers 3, 2, 1, the third scale degree. Down, mi, re, do, three blind mice. That is your background. That is your most important, your pillar notes in any piece of music. I would say any piece of music. Almost. Um, it's called an orony. Second most important notes are solid notes with stem. Third being solid notes without stem, and the least important are these little tiny ones. All right? So you can actually follow along here and here, and you can probably hear which one is being more important than others. Okay? All right. Are we good here? Nod your head. <laughs> okay. Now, 
I'm going to say some quotes from Shanker's own writing and remember his dates, okay? The Orlanine, i.e. the three blind mice thing, bears in itself the seeds of all forces that shape tonal life. End quote. Open quote. The Orlanine is the possession of the German genius alone. Remember his dates, okay? Diminution, diminution being the decoration of, so, from here, the process from going from here, decorating to what we recognize down here, that's the process called de diminution or composing out or elaboration. Diminution relates to the ornament as flesh in the bloom of life relates to man's skeleton. Now, let me translate here. Reading it from the context of 21st century into the, Viennese, uh, the Austrian Viennese intellectual culture at the turn of the 20th century, what is Schenker really saying, uh, saying here? All Western common practice of the German tradition are essentially elaboration or diminution compos composing out of a common high-level structure bearing the three blind mice descent called the Erlini. So everything is three blind mice in the background if it is conforming to common practice German music. According to Shankar, that is. Um, now, we didn't really merely scratch the surface here because there's a ton to talk about, but that's n but the ability to come up with these graphs is not what I'm interested in uh, and, um, the, the talk here. But what I need you to understand here is that in order for music, uh, um, according to Shankar, to be a cohesive whole, it must have a common high-level structure. It must have these three blind mice in order for it to be a cohesive whole. And that you know how to understand the notation <coughs> presented here. Important, less important, less important, less important. Okay? Um, and yes, all German common practice music follows this pattern. Why? Schenker made a graph like this of Beethoven's third symphony, first movement, and... It also is three blind mice. So you can spend all the time listening to the third symphony and also um, joyful, joyful. You can realize in the back of my mind it's the same thing. <laughs> okay? All right. So I'll stop at this time for some questions. Yes? When Bach was doing this, this one's not yeah. you, but I don't think anyway. Did he start with three blind mice no. and then embroider it? No. 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 So was he aware that we were Likely not. Likely not. Then what is the point of that kind? It's almost like thinking about breathing. If you ask a research biologist, it's going to tell you when you're, bre when you're breathing, you'll be thinking um, you've got all these um, hormonal um, signal going on, which muscle to contract, which muscle to, con yeah. to relax. But you don't think about it, right? No. Does it mean it's not true? It's, it, that, that's an, anal an analogy. Okay. So he was doing it unconsciously. That would be the argument. <laughs> yes. Um, when you said um, this is generic to all German music of the period. Common practice, yes. Okay. And, and the three blind mice is that um, you, you took us through this beautifully, but then if you get to three blind mice, that can be applicable to all the other composers operational at the same time. That's amazing. It's the yeah. skeleton of everything. Yeah. That's yes. That's the point. That's the point. And Schenker being an Austrian that lost, the, that, that's on the losing, losing side of the war, he's going to say, that is something that the German genius have. <laughs> well, uh, in service of what is he arguing that for? Like, why is he trying to make that point? It's a larger point. <sighs> the larger point is German was in trouble and German, Ger German people lost faith of their own of, of their own and tried to refrigerate the, the the belief of the German people and no that's why I say notice mm -hmm. dates, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well you say that the date period you look at ended the nineteen thirty five though and they weren't losing then. No, of course they were losing. They lost the first the war. First world war but they had Oh, but the first war is even more devastating to them than the second war. Actually, the first war is the, is really what um, punched them down. Yes. So almost all of this is going over my head, but I would ask. Um, so I don't really understand it, but is 
the theory, is it just a theory that is embraced by a few, or is it very, very likely to be true? It's a theory that is now common to um, um, North, just common in the um, theoretical world. Now, is it true? Again, it's, we don't know. We just, I mean, in I science, we can, uh, that's, that's why I majored on it. <laughs> well, in science, we can prove breathing, right? Yeah. We can pr improve breathing. But in arts, how can you prove that? You can't. So, so, yeah. so, so this what's happening here, if I'm, if I'm seeing it correctly, how people escape into something, escape into hobbies, in this case, it's music. Am I reading the situation correctly? Uh, escape, as, as, escape or expressing thoughts through music, escaping into music, it's just what we're kind Not necessarily. Not really, no. no. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I should stop for now because there's going to be some more time after us. I'm going to yeah. race, uh, race, uh, race the clock to get into Bach. <laughs> I mean, this is just the theoretical framework we're going to we're, we're dealing with, and I know I've opened up which can of worm here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, let's move on to, to St. Matthew. Now, in a large or oratorial work, St. Matthew Passion being one of them, Bach's idea of how the, the chorale is Bach's idea of how the congregation should respond to the Passion narrative, i.e. Bach putting words into the mouth and mind of, of, of you guys, congregation, of his congregation. Okay. Um... German music historian Philipp Spieter commented, greater number of chorale are, in, are set in a severe style and accentuates the congregational feeling in all its modesty and force. Albert Schweitzer wrote, the feeling of the Christian spectator are expressed in the choral verses. So chorale has a function. The function is what you should think. It's Bach telling you what you should think. Make sure your mind don't drift, probably. Services were long back then. And yes, five times. Terry spilled the beans there. Yes, it appeared five times, and they're at the important points of twice on the Mount of Olive, one, uh, one in the trial before Pilate, one during uh, scourging, and one immediately, immediately following Jesus' death. And the purpose of it, of course, is to guide the congregation's thought through the work accumulating to the central event of the passion, which is the sacrifice on the cross. Now, each of these chorale appearances appeared five times. They are slightly differently, they have slightly different harmonizations. Now, what does that mean? You guys actually know this. You guys actually been exposed to reharmonization of a chora, of a hymn tune all the time. Right, David? Talking about. <laughs> <laughs> of course, whenever the the the, the desk can sings or the last last verse of your hymn, Terry plays something different. That's a reharmonization. Most of the time. Most of the time. All right. So Bach reharmonized this passion chorale, and we can listen to it and see if you can know what the reharmonization sounds like. I'm pretty sure you do. One's one way of harmonizing, and here's the second way. Hear the harmony being different. The Bach elaborated tune a bit too. Guess what? Each of these separate elaborations gives a different graph. And guess what we're going to do? 
influences the artist, expresses it through music, and also there's a certain amount of numbers that's involved in this too. Yeah. Okay, I'm learning all this jazz. Okay. So, let's march through. First time it came up. It is right after they sang a hymn, they went to Mount of Olives, and Jesus said, you're going to fall away from me this night uh, you're because of me, and uh, but, uh, you know, I'll strike the shepherd and the flock will be scattered kind of thing. So it's Jesus foretelling that, you know, you guys are going to fall away from me. So this is how, what Bach thinks you're going to, um, how you should be thinking of this narrative. And here is the graph. Wow. Go, oh boy. You know what? Don't worry about that. Hey, where's my pointer? Bottom line here, we haven't gone over this. This is your foreground. Remember foreground? And here is the music. Here's your important note, big stem, letter three. So there's your three, and you expect expect a blind mice in the next slide, right? Okay, so important notes. These are the more important notes. Important note, these are the little, little guys there are not important these. Yes? I, maybe I'm blind. I can't see a pointer. You can't? Here? Can we see it? Yeah, it's a little faint because... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, it's a weak laser. I still found a more powerful laser, right? Jason, use your finger. Huh? Yeah, it's a pretty good pointer. Walk over to the screen. Okay. Uh, I'm going to trip over it. I'm going to strip over here. Sorry, we can't dim the lights or all the lights in this part of the building go off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, music here, foreground here. Most important note, three. And you expect blind mice in the later, in, in the next slide. Here are the more important notes. Here are the most important notes. All these things are not important. They're just decorations. Good? And so, let's listen to it and see if you can follow along here. See, sort of graph. Okay, what I want you to get here is one, it's in the key of E, so it is your happy key that is centered on the note E. Come on. Okay. And also it has a clear three blind, three blind mice line. That's all I need you to get here, okay? Second time it came up, right immediately after Peter said, I'm not going to leave you, Master, and uh, Jesus said... No, dude. Three times, uh, the rooster sounds, and you will say no to me three times. And the only thing um, different is, from the previous, previous appearance, is that Bach transposed the entire thing down the semitone. So, one from here. Two, E flat. And you actually hear one step drop. Not going to listen to it yet, because I'm going to come back to it. Okay, but that's all... We're going to spend it here, okay? Good. Not that hard. A little bit more interesting right here is the third appearance. It's when Jesus, it's when Jesus uh, stood trial before Pilate. This time, it's in the key of D. So you're tracing a semitone descent. Also, if you listen to it, you can hear it. I'm going to play the beginning of each. And the second time. And the third appearance. 
Got it? It's pretty easy, right? Now, <clears throat> things get even more interesting. Here's the graph. Now, on this graph is very similar to what we had at first, but there is a very slight change. I'm going to skip. We're, we're, we're going to listen to this, but I'm seeing time is against me here. I'm going to skip listening to this. Um, but there is a slight change in the middle ground, in in slight change somewhere that causes a very interesting, very interesting switch Bach is giving us. So we're going to. I originally planned to listen to this. But I'm going to skip it. The change happens here, okay? So when it goes da 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 da, but instead I'm just going to focus, okay? So the change between one and two to three is the shift of the important note from here to here. So um, the tune goes da 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 da. It should, it was da 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 two. Da, 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 da. See, if there's a switch, and the switch is because the decoration note, which is a note that doesn't belong, the non-chord tone, went from here to here. Bach added a dissonance, i.e. make this one sound like there's a crunch. Now, we're going to listen to it. If you can catch it the first time, you have a very good ear. But I'm going to play it the second time in slow motion. this one and then you hear that third note versus okay it's a little tiny change there yeah hmm? what was it yeah I see sorry but that is still the point. <laughs> Sorry. I probably made a typo, uh, make a MIDI typo. But... So with all the music and music notes, this is very detail-orientated. You have to get very yes. accustomed yes. to all of this. Yes. yes. The idea is Bach made this very subtle change in the middle ground. But that's... It's because Bach is trying to foreshadow how he's going to treat the piece later i.e. this dissonance will become more apparent as we move along. Just take the right foot. And if you think about the narrative at this time, of this point, trial before Pilate, before um, the religious establishment sent Jesus to Pilate, they couldn't kill him. They can punish him. They can flog him. They call him names. They can say a lot of things to him, but they can't kill him. But once he's handed over to Pilate, guess what? Pilate is the only person with um, judicial authority to order a crucifixion. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so this is a point in which the narrative turns. And Bach turns the um, chorale along with the narratives, along with the narrative, so foreshadowing what's going to happen. This um, switch there, it's going to make it more... It's going to be more apparent as we uh, move along. All right. So, so I'm flying through time. We have to number four. Now, it, this is when it gets interesting. It gets interesting, and it's come right after um, the um, scourging. Now, just curious, by a show of hands, who here have done any form of music theory before? What's music theory mean? <laughs> then you don't know. <laughs> One, two. Yes, I know Dave. You don't. <laughs> okay, so um, basically, um, got two choices right here. So I'm going to dive in. You either hold your nose and come along and see how much you can get. And from Dave's case, is how many um, meaty, uh, meaty typo I'm going to make. <laughs> Be on the no, no. Or two, you can hold your noses and um, and um, come back when uh, and, until we uh, come back to the surface, and we'll have a summary slide in the end that will um, that will encapsulate everything here. Okay? Huh? 
No. No, there, you, 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 you'll get my compliment as good. You are very, you have a very good pair of ears. Okay? So, this is the only appearance with two strokes, i.e. the thing being sung twice. Now, if you do an now, okay, so, uh, where is my keyboard? It, the piece, the harmony is sort of like this. Ah, uh, sorry, I'll do it again. Um, D minor, F major. Your initial impression, I mean, this tune can be harmonized using the happy version. Or the sad version. Okay, use the, just use the minor part of it. Your first impression, first impression being important, those who you have done any, uh, who've been in uh, interview for a job. <laughs> first impression is important, and first impression gives you D minor. So you're going to think as though you're in D minor. But, if you do your analysis in D minor, you're going to realize you will have three. You will have blind, it's not in the graph, but you have blind, but you have no mice. So what does Bach do? Bach say, you know what? Fool ya. You actually have to hear it in F major. In order to get a three, a blind right here, and a mice. So that's why he wants this to be in two strokes. He wants this, he wants this congregation to hear it once. I think it's D minor. No, it's not quite working out. It's F major. Okay. And they say music theory. What's basically what's that? In a very basic way, what's that involved? The an the analysis of music. Oh. Okay. So it's like you're a literary critic. Oh wow, wow, wow. Okay. So do we have time to actually listen to this? I think we do. Okay. So see if we can listen to it and experience what um, experience this. Okay. Listen to that again. blind no mice let's do it again so here's three and F you have you're trying to gear yourself to your happy key buried in background and you can hear that happy version the chord there and you feel so satisfied because you're actually happy and why does Bach want to do this because we are going to compare the text right where we are at and comparing the text of the chorale if you compare the te chorale text and the narrative we can see that Bach is expressing a duality between the mockery of the soldiers and the praise by the congregation the tension between the appearances of Jesus' bleeding face and the honor that the singer pay, and actually rhymes. Just as how the congregation initially conceived the chorale in D minor, 
the disciples see the suffering and humiliation of their Messiah. And just like how the disciple later understood this moment as leading to the glorification and exaltation of Christ on the cross, the congregation have to recalibrate their understanding of the chorale in F major, your happy key. Good. Have I lost anyone? No. Yes. Okay, last and finally, and our fifth comes immediately right after the death of Christ. I'm not even going to show you any graph because it's all messed up here. Here's the graph, here's the, here's the, here's the music, and we can listen to it first. I think we may have time. This is the version that we sing on in a Good Friday all the time. crunch I was referring to earlier on. Alright, so, um, A minor to start. You can also do it in your happy version, that's your C major. You can, but it closes on a half on if a E major chord, which is a half cadence in A minor. And you don't know if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. All right, don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Um, half cadence A minor. That means we are going to do this in A minor, or at least Bach is giving us enough signals to do this in A minor. But if you're going to do this in A minor. You are going to get yourself into some trouble because no one. Your term half cadence. What I sort of know. It's an open. It's, it's um. It's it's um. It's, it's an open closure. Meaning, the answer will dominate. Oh. Um. Don't worry about it. If you don't get it, don't worry about it. No, no. What's it? I find this kind of interesting. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 so to speak. Well, the point here is, if you listen to it in your sad first, sad version, sad key, you're gonna have three blind but no mass. Well, you're gonna say, yes, Bach, Mr. Bach, I heard, I seen this before. You showed us that before, so we are actually going to calibrate our listening to the happy version. But guess what? This time around, if you do it in a happy version, take my words for it, you're still gonna hit the walls. You're still gonna get three blind but no mass. <laughs> three blind mice doesn't work here. Okay? Three blind mice doesn't work here. And we're pulling an exception. Alright? Because the problem is Bach is trying to preserve uh, some of the modal aspect, i.e. the pre-common practice practice. Preserve some of those elements here. I know the Chorale exists that uh, was probably written before common practice. Is established. So Bach was trying to preserve some of that, and that's why we're trying to impose a set of theory that um, assumes common practice German tradition. It's not going to work. Of course, it didn't work. Okay, it didn't fit into our paradigm. Now, why? Why is Bach doing this? Well, so answer why? Answer the what is the what is the effect of it? The effect of it is 
it will it leaves the music open, unresolved, almost like hanging on a cliff. Did you, I think you picked that up when you were listening to it, right? It doesn't sound as conclusive as what we had before, right? I think we can all hear that, and probably the reason why, one of the reasons why is because we might be programmed already by now to listen for something that have that three blind mice, and we don't. We're deprived of mice. <laughs> we just feel incomplete, and don't go. Don't keep going. Don't go home and look for mice, please. Okay, but it's yes. So it's really to give the congregation a feeling of unresolved, just like how the disciples would have felt at the time. All right, so. It's really, and the rest of the passion just dwells in this moment. Now, here's a summary slide that everyone is looking for. Now, very quickly run over and tie everything together because I still have a section after this, and I'm beating time here. Okay, first time came up, major key, strong closer, strong, strong fleet by mice. And you work through the second and third, you're going to get progressive, progressively a semi-step lower. Now, every time you see descending semi-step of this um, in at this time, it always means dark side. Always means dark fader. Okay? And the third time, there is a slight change in that middle ground, slight change in the um, important note. And that actually would, be, that would become more apparent as the um, narrative goes, just to parallel the change in... Um, it's going to parallel the change in, in the narrative in which, you know what, Jesus is heading towards the cross at the time that it's handed over to Pilate. <clears throat> no, fourth appearance, you got the setup for, you can possibly hear the key incorrectly. And we've gone through what that is. It's a duality between what seems to be and what will be, right? The contrast of the two, just the position of the two. And the last one here, Everything consummates. Um, it's dark. We don't quite know what key we're in. And that middle ground change has become the most pronounced. And we have no three by mice. Everything being unresolved here. Now, <clears throat> back to our theological problem here. going to reiterate. It's because if we're going to look at this piece... St. Matthew Passion, as um, Jaroslav Pelikan um, said, not really any reference of resurrection. And so the whole, the whole question here is really how to reconcile the Lutheran belief of, or by extension Protestant, how we focus, how we emphasize on the empty cross, on resurrection being the core of our the, the, the important thing that gives us salvation versus what we have right here just seemingly no reference to resurrection. It dwells in the death of Christ forever. Well, to approach this problem, um, Dan Westberg uh, looked at this in a more textual way. It's good. I'm just going to answer it in another way. And I'm going to bring back Christmas Oratory. Remember, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, earlier. Now, if we go to Christmas Oratorio, I'm steaming through this here, i got five minutes. Um, Christmas Oratorio, and in this joyous Christmas piece, guess what we find? We actually find this old sacred head now wounded in there twice. Now, what is it doing there? What is a passion chorale doing in a Christmas piece? That's a question. Yes. It appeared twice. One, near the very beginning, um, it's actually the very first chorale under Christmas, and it's set very, actually identical, almost identical, to where Bach left off in St. Matthew. Same kind of problem, no three blind mice, don't know what key you're in, and it just sounds like it's hanging in the middle of nowhere at, at the end. Now, I do have a recording embedded here. I don't go, I'm not going to play it. And the final movement is a uh, fanfare. Okay? Final movement is a fanfare. Second time it appears is in the final movement of Christmas or Oratorio, and it is a fanfare. Now, 
The Christmas Oratorio premiered in, on uh, 1734, seven years after St. Matthew. Now, it's very hard to say how much St. Matthew has uh, influence St. Matthew has on the Christmas pace. But I think there are some loose connections, and the old sacred tune is a loose, is one of those connections. And there are a few more little pieces there, here and there. But don't try to glue those two together, but there are, there are some um, connections there. Okay? It is as though Bach was intentionally reintroducing the Passion Chorale in a way that it left off, in the way that Bach left it at the end of St. Matthew. And then what he, and then so the purpose is is to introduce an element of death back to Christmas, or even have the listener, have the congregation recall the state of uh, of confusion, right beginning of Christmas. Then resolves and transforms it into a triumphant um, fanfare. So. Unlike the St. Matthew Passion, Bach, Bach, Bach brought about resolution by transforming this chorale tune into a triumphant um, fanfare. Hence, the chorale evolved from being something conforming, conforming to something that's unresolved, then picks up in Christmas, and then having have uh, and then um, being transformed into a fanfare. Why does it do it? Well. In a way, the absence, of, the absence of the hope of salvation towards the end of St. Matthew's Passion, I think, could be intentional. As the salvation narrative picks up in the Christmas oratorio and then reaches a consummation, it reaches to a consummation at the fanfare finale to fulfill the anticipated glory of the resurrection. St. Matthew's Passion opens with a tomb doll. A French-style funeral music, and the motif of death intensifies through the passion without resolution, only to be brought back in Bach's Christmas masterpiece. So, just as death, the death of Christ was ordained at birth, his resurrection is also ordained at his birth, and the glue that holds it together compositionally is how Bach utilizes this passion chorale over the two pieces, how Bach morphed the background of it, and that morphing is visible in them through our, um, through our uh, Shinkirian tool, and how it got picked up, how we know that it, picked, that it got picked up because of the Shinkirian tool, and then how it got resolved to um, the fanfare. It all, it's all held together by the setting of the of the. Um, of the Passion Chorale piece. Now, I couldn't prove um, um, categorically that Bach picked up a narrative and go, here you go. There's no way anyone can prove that. Or someone can prove it if they study enough manuscript. Or someone can suggest that. But I, I haven't. Analytically, there's some sense there. But had he done it, he would have tied together the three Christological mystery of the incarnation, the resurrection, that's crucifixion and the resurrection together in just one stroke through the old sacred hand now in the chorale. And we'll play the last movement, it's just here all the swing resolve. That tune, it's a completely different feel to it. Hmm. 
Incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection in one tune. Okay. <laughs>